good enough and getting better. Welcome to the podcast where we can pursue personal growth, not because we have to in order to somehow be good enough, but because we know we already are good enough. We are each a unique and rare expression of human life with no duplicate. And from this foundation, we pursue personal growth because we know we can and because we know we are capable of creating all kinds of different experiences in life. And we want to play with that capacity and expand our options. We make personal growth enjoyable and easy when we can approach it with joy and playful curiosity instead of lack and insecurity. So stay tuned and join me on this journey to be more rooted in our true self-worth and more empowered in our growth process. We are good enough and we are getting even better. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I am Laura Lenore. As a hypnotherapist, I help people change their thoughts, often in a very functional way. And today I'm going to teach you some ways that you can do that too. For those of you who know something about NLP or neuro-linguistic programming, we are basically using your submodalities to shift the perception of a specific thought. For everyone else who has no idea what those words mean, uh, stay tuned and you'll know more about it in just a few minutes. Basically, the idea is that when we notice and allow ourselves to become aware of the way that we're thinking and perceiving things, we can actually notice that the same five senses that we use to perceive the outside world are also the way that we think and perceive things internally. So when you have a thought, it might come in the form of words, either words you say to yourself, or sometimes a thought is like hearing someone else say something to you inside your mind, or it might come in the form of a picture. You see a scene, a memory, an object, a person in your mind's eye. That thought actually might be kinesthetic, which is our feeling sense, including emotional feelings and physical sensations. We can experience and imagine both internally in our minds. And to a lesser degree, you can also have components of thoughts that involve taste and smell as well, though these are less common. So for simplicity, we're going to stick with auditory, visual, and kinesthetic in our exploration of this idea together today. These happen so quickly and subtly that we often don't notice this consciously. So for example, if I say, think about dogs, something just popped into your mind right now probably more than one of these. Maybe you saw a picture of your childhood pet in your mind, or maybe it was more of a just a generic, whatever represents the generic dog to you. Um, maybe you saw that picture of the childhood dog and then immediately felt a warm, nostalgic feeling uh, in your chest or maybe some other part of your body. Maybe you imagined a scene of your dog greeting you when you come home, and then you heard yourself saying his name in that cutesy voice that we all get when we're greeting our pets. And then you imagined the feeling of his fur as you saw yourself petting him, or you experienced that feeling of warmth that you feel in your body when you pet him. Whatever combination of these different visuals, auditory, kinesthetic components, this just pops into your mind immediately. Maybe it wasn't a happy association at all for you. Maybe you heard the sound of the neighbor's 
poorly trained German shepherd growling right before attacking you as a four-year-old. So there's like a stuck memory there around dogs. And then immediately felt like a stab of fear just going to take over your body. Hopefully that was not your response. But if you do have some fear of dogs or anything else for that matter, I do want to let you know that working with the components of your thoughts in the way that I'm about to talk you through might actually be enough to collapse that fear. Um, If not, just a side note, because not enough people seem to know this, those kinds of irrational phobic type fears respond really well to working with hypnosis because fear is not usually a conscious logical process. So you actually need a way to get in deeper and really switch off those associations in the amygdala. More often than not, we can clear up a fear like this in a single session. Actually, a fellow hypnosis professional recently shared that she had a client who had not left the house in 30 years due to fear, and they were able to clear that up completely in three sessions. So definitely don't wait 30 years to get help. If you have a fear like that, they actually can be cleared up pretty easily. Okay, so back to the topic. Now that you know a little something about how you think about dogs, Were you able to notice those quick flashes, the visual, the sounds, the feelings that came up for you in that moment, or even now in this moment, since we're still talking about dogs, right? Maybe there's still something there that you're aware of. If not, you can close your eyes. That might help uh, really paying attention to what you notice, whatever it is. Things seem to slow down when we closely focus on them, right? The more you sort of shut out everything else, then you can catch those pictures, those sounds, those words, those feelings that pop into your mind in the moment somebody says something like, think of a dog, right? These internal senses are called modalities and NLP. So the submodalities that I refer to, which is what we're going to work with, what we're shifting today, these are the different qualities of your senses. They each have their own unconscious meaning. It's like the internal sort of code of your mind, right? If if minds work like a computer, which is actually poor analogy for the way our minds work, but it works on some levels. If our minds were like a computer, then everything that you see on the surface, you know, your graphical user interface, all of those things can be shifted dramatically just by going into the code and changing a a character here or a character there. As long as you know what to change, those changes can be dramatic and happen pretty easily. And working with NLP submodalities actually works in a similar way with your thoughts. So what are these submodalities? We'll start with visual. So if you have that image, that picture that pops into your mind, the submodalities of that image are going to be things like the brightness. Is it light or dark? The saturation, is it vividly colored or is it dull? Maybe even black and white. Is it in motion or is it still? Is it big or small? Is it close or far? Is it sharp? and clear or grainy and blurry. There's a million different sort of descriptors that you could use for an image. These are some of the major ones. And the way that our brains store information, these subtleties have meaning. These are sort of the building blocks of our internal code. So when we think about an image that's bright and colorful, it has a different sort of feeling or meaning attached to it than picturing something that's dark and dull, black and white, etc. In terms of sounds, it could be a loud or a soft sound. 
It could be high-pitched and shrill, or it could be low and deep, or maybe soft and whispery. It can have a location, just like images do. Is it near to you or far? Is it in front or behind or left or right? If it's a voice... Is it your voice or is it actually someone else's? It's, it's actually surprisingly common for people to assume that their internal voice is their own until I ask them that question. And then all of a sudden they notice, oh, actually, that's my mom or, you know, something like that. For feelings, they can be large or small. They can feel hard or soft, warm or cool, sharp uh, or more diffused. They could be moving or still. They can be located in different places in your body as well. And occasionally people report feeling a feeling outside of their body. So that is also a valid response. Now, this is a quick overview here. There can be so many different qualities to any of these, and I'm just hitting some of the more obvious ones, though that's often enough for what we're about to do. So you can get more subtle, more detailed if you'd like. You don't really need to. Okay. So with that in mind, think of something that you like. This could be a food. This could be a place, a person, a thing. There's no limits, whatever it is. And notice the qualities of the thought in your mind. If it's a picture, is it big and bright and close? If there's sound, is it clear? Is it loud enough or too loud or too soft or right in the middle? Where is the sound coming from? Where is it located? Front, back, center, left, right. If there is a feeling, is it open? Is it warm? Is it soft? Is it basically something that feels good? If so, how? In what way does it feel good? And just notice what qualities you're aware of right now as you think about this thing you like. Scan your body, notice the feeling, look for the images, listen for the sounds. And you may want to jot these down as we're going to use them again here in a minute, or at the very least, say them back to yourself so it's easy for you to remember if you have a good memory and you can come back to this sort of list of qualities in a moment, then uh, that works too. So now we're going to set that thing aside and we're going to think about something you don't like as well. Actually, something you really dislike. Let's go all the way. A food, a person, a place, a thing, whatever. And notice in many ways, this thing is the opposite of what you just experienced. The visuals, maybe they're darker, duller, less motion, less color. The sounds may be in a different location, have a different volume or quality. The feelings might be heavier or sharper or moving in a different way. There's no right or wrong answers here. Just notice everyone is different, even though there are some common patterns with these things. So jot those down too. Record that sort of program, if you will, you know, dark, dull, small, etc., whatever words or qualities you notice, especially the ones that are very different from the thing you just liked a moment ago, right? And when you notice how you internally perceive something that you like differently from something that you don't like, you can actually hack your own code, right? Like we've been talking about and use this information to shift the thoughts that aren't working for you. So for example, if you think of something that you currently don't like, but that you want to like better, you know, for example, maybe there's a task at work where liking it would make your life so much better. Uh, Maybe there's a healthy food you really wish you liked. Exercise, maybe your neighbor's annoying teenager, whatever it is, as you access that thought, 
you can change the submodalities, the details of perception to the program you just learned from the thing that you like, whatever those were. For many folks, making it brighter, more colorful, more clear, more vivid, uh, make it feel more positive when you use the visuals there as an example. Or it can actually also mean that it's more present. So something that's negative, that is vibrant and bright might feel stronger than if you make it duller, less saturated. That's also something you can play with here. So I'm going to give you a moment now. And so think of something that you want to like better. And you just jotted down your program for what that's like, what your internal perception of something is, when your unconscious mind has coded it as something positive, something that you like, and bring those shifts into the picture. If it's dark, make it brighter. If you need to add motion or color or whatever it is, go ahead and make the shift, change the sounds, shift the feelings, where they're located or what they feel like in whatever way, just using your imagination, go ahead and change those things. And I'll give you a moment to really dig into that and think about that right now. And feel free to just play with this. This is this is fun. This doesn't have to be a serious, there's no right or wrong here. Play with it. Notice how it feels. If something is not an appealing change, then undo it. You know, just notice and play with it. And so now, once you've made that shift, I want you to check in and just notice that this previously disliked thing, for most of you, that's not going to seem so bad, right? You might not have gotten all the way to, I love it so much, but there's probably a little bit of the edge off in terms of liking a little bit better just from doing that quick imaginary exercise one time. Now it may revert the next time you think about it. Sometimes we have to do this a few times before the conscious mind gets the idea and then the changes stick. Sometimes we can budget a little bit more gradually, like it just gets brighter and brighter each time or more and more vivid or whatever the change is. Um, but it doesn't really take that many times for most things to change. Your unconscious mind really will pick up on this and it, it becomes a really quick and easy way to intentionally change a thought. And we can actually also do the opposite too, if you'd like. Maybe there's something that you like a little too much. That time-wasting phone game or that food they always leave out in the break room that wreaks havoc on your digestive system. Or maybe an ex that you could stand to be a little more over than you already are. Whatever it is. And as you bring up those pictures, sounds, and feelings of that thing that you would like to like less... You can shift the submodalities to match what you wrote down for your program of things you don't like. Take a moment to do that. Change the visuals. If there are sounds, change the sounds. If there are feelings, change those. And just a note here, you may have one primary sense that comes up for things. It may be that 90% of what you imagine is visual and sticking with changing it visually is enough. It may be that... Uh, that you need to work with more than one of these modalities. Just play with it and find out, right? Take a moment. doesn't take very long. Just experiment with it. Use your imagination just to notice what's there and to play with the experience of shifting it. 
And so now that you have done that, you can notice you already can feel different about that thing, right? So check in with yourself. Just notice, does that person, place, thing, object, whatever it was, does that feel a little less appealing to you than it did a moment ago, right? This principle can be used for so many things. Maybe you're already having some ideas about what or how you could use this in your own life. And I'll give you a few more examples here, but I definitely want to encourage you to spend some time playing with this. You will be amazed at the power you have to shift the way that you think about things, that you experience things in your life, about the way they affect you, just by changing the way you encode them in terms of these subtle submodalities, right? It's very subtle, but it's very powerful. Some examples of how I use these most frequently with clients. One big one is when people have a critical internal voice. This, you know, you're not good enough. Nobody likes you. Why are you wearing that? You said something stupid. Like, what are you thinking? The sort of ongoing narrative in your mind that just is tearing you down instead of supporting you, helping you, etc. When you hear this voice, if you're someone who has this, when you hear this in your head, you can actually notice where it's located. So really listen. If, if it's on one side more than the other, like if it's more to the right rather than the left, uh, try moving it to the other side. Often there's one side that feels true and the other side where something does not feel as relevant at all. It's weird, but that's true for most people. We, we tend to hear our internal voice will tell us on one side will be things that are serious or important or true. And the other side, it's like, man, whatever, that's, you know, I can ignore that. So you can change the side, you can move it way back behind you, like you could move it across the street in like a totally different building. You could make it quieter. You could make it sound squeaky. Like I really enjoy having people hear their internal criticism in a cartoon voice because it's nearly impossible to take it seriously. Um, you would never let, um, I don't know, Donald Duck tell you that you're not smart enough at work or whatever it is. Uh, another common way to use this idea, this submodality shift technique, is for memories or for other images that keep kind of popping back into your mind, things from the past you can literally put them behind you instead of having them stored right in your face in front of you where you sort of unconsciously see them or are aware of them most of the time. You can actually grab that image and using your hands actually really helps with this, even though their image is imaginary, <laughs> because this technique involves your proprioception, your proprioceptive senses, using your hands actually taps into that more fully. So you could actually grab that image with your hands and reach behind you and sort of put it back behind you. And that actually helps you emotionally put it behind you in the sense of moving on, right? Our metaphors and our language are definitely tied to this way of working with things in this spatial proprioceptive sort of grid uh, is kind of how I think about it. You can actually take that image also, in addition to putting it behind you, before you move it, go ahead and shrink it way down, make it teeny tiny, make it dull, black and white, grainy, blurry, whatever feels good to totally diffuse the emotional impact of that memory or moment, that thing that you are ready to move on from, and then go ahead and move that way behind you as far back as feels good. You know, you can imagine that you could reach back as far as you need to. And just notice how different it feels when you think about that same memory after you've done this. And again, you can repeat it a few times as needed 
eventually your unconscious mind is going to leave it there because it will learn that new pattern from you. Um, you could use this to think of something that feels true or possible for you and then use those same modalities, submodalities to shift something that you would like to feel more confident about, right? So really give yourself some time to play with this this week. Get really creative with this. It's such an interesting and effective way to experience your own thinking and your own capacity to change it. So next week, I'm going to do a guided hypnosis process based on these principles. It's going to be designed to help you lessen the impact of those negative messages and memories from your past while also strengthening the positive and empowering ones. So that one's going to be great. Stay tuned for that. In the meantime, I would love to hear what you think of the exercises that we did today. What are the results that you got? What surprised you? What ideas or experiences have you had after listening to this and after taking some time to explore your own submodality programs. You can share on facebook.com slash good enough and getting better. Or if there's a platform you like better, let me know. You can contact me at lenorehypnosis.com and send a message. I am so grateful for you for being here. I really appreciate when you share, but also when you like, you subscribe and especially when you share this podcast with friends. We all have that friend who really deserves to like themselves better and could use some help getting there. So let them know that you care and send them this podcast. Okay, thanks again for joining me today. I hope you all remember this week that you are already good enough and you're getting even better. Bye for now. 